Hi, welcome to Not Another Marketing Podcast, where I'm talking to Christina Rodriguez, the founder of Grow Pro Agency, a digital marketing agency for martial arts academies. Now, stand by for lots of tips on marketing within a niche. Thanks for downloading. Now, ignoring the mass market and kind of drilling down into a niche can be a really effective strategy that tends to get better results. And Christina has done this for years with a martial arts marketing agency. And she explains how niches work, how to find them, how to target them and that. Uh, Listen up for lots and lots of tips and advice. You can find Christina at growproagency.com. That's growproagency.com. Also on LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Uh, links are in the show notes, so give them a quick tap. Can I quickly mention that Not Another Marketing Podcast is totally ad-free. I'd love it if you could give the pod a quick shout on social media. Subscribe via your favourite podcast app. You can check out more podcasts at jtid.co.uk forward slash podcasts. The first thing I asked Christina was, what exactly is a niche and how do we start finding our niche within our industry? Yeah, you know, I mean, you've got the uh, Webster dictionary definition, which just states that it's a specified segment of Hmm. a market. Um, To me, it's really when your products and or your services appeal to a specialized segment of people. Um, and, and every industry has niches within them. For example, I'm in the martial arts industry and you can even break it down. Well, there's B2B and then there's B2C, right? Are you yeah. in the business to business aspect of martial arts industry? Or are you in the business to consumer aspect of the martial arts industry? Um, you have specific styles, right? Like Taekwondo yeah. and karate and jujitsu and judo. And, uh, you know, that's a niche in itself. Um, but, uh, yeah, a niche is just a specified segment of, of the market. That's all it is. But you can kind of end up going down a rabbit hole, can't you, looking at niches within niches within niches? I mean, like you said, with martial arts, and then you could go to taekwondo. Then you could do taekwondo for women in a certain area, in a certain, I don't know, part <laughs> of an area. And, if, and we can end up going down these rabbit holes. Can't we? When do we kind of like need to stop? Yeah, you know, I I believe that there are some core business engines, uh, no matter what business you run, you know, you've got the products and service aspect of it, you have the marketing aspect of it, you have the sales aspect, you have the customer fulfillment, and you can absolutely, you know, dive deep, as you say, down the rabbit hole. Hmm. And let's use marketing, for example, right? I mean, there's so many different subsets of marketing, you've got digital marketing and grassroots marketing and social media marketing and email marketing. And, you know, how do you choose which niche within your niche to choose? Well, it really depends on what your skill sets are. Um, You know, I I like, uh, I joke often, that, uh, you know, we've really nailed down our avatar. So I own a, a brick and mortar martial arts school. It's, it's one of my four businesses that I have. Yep. And I joke that our ideal client is a stay at home mom of two kids who likes to aimlessly walk the aisles of Target, sipping her Starbucks coffee <laughs> with a fresh Manny Petty who likes to wear Lululemon yoga pants. <laughs> I mean, that is a very, very specific, uh, you know, target client. And you could argue, well, that's the niche that, you know, we're after. 
Um, yeah, you can, you can get down the rabbit hole and I think it really just depends on the industry as well. At, at the end of the day, you got to ask yourself, you know, are, is there a market for this? And, and when you start getting so down that rabbit hole, your market gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And, you know, there, there are definitely markets that, uh, you know, would be too small to what I would consider, you know, try to go after. Yeah, I was going to say, because you'll end up with a problem of actually sustaining your business. It's a little bit like email marketing, I think, when you segment email marketing. And if you segment so many times, you end up with like three people at the end to send an email to. Exactly. So how do you think a business kind of starts trying to find a niche? So like you say, marketing or martial arts, that could be one of a million different things. How do we start finding niches that we can start targeting? Is it just down to what we do, I suppose? Yeah, you know, I mean, for me, I'm never going to start a business unless I have a passion for it. I think that needs to be on somebody's checklist when you're considering, you know, what what type of business am I going to build? If you have a passion for it, you're probably going to know something about that. And if you know something about whatever you have a passion about, more than likely you're following people on social media and you're part of groups and, you know, networking and, and things like that. Um, but I think it really comes down to, to your skill sets. Um, I am a big believer in becoming what I call a skill collector, um, having four businesses and, and having them have to go through the, the pandemic, um, you know, brick and mortar yeah. martial arts. We were shut yeah. down right in the yeah. middle of March, having to pivot to online classes. I think the businesses that survived the pandemic were the ones that either already had a certain skill set in place um, or were willing to learn new skill sets. So in the martial arts industry, there are what I would call a lot of vintage school owners. These are people that didn't grow up with computers, right? I was fortunate. I had a computer in in my bedroom, um, you know, so it, it allowed me to uh, you know, literally have the world at my at my fingertips as I was growing up. And it's those people that develop new skill sets throughout the pandemic or already had established ones were the ones that not just survived, but, you know, are, are more than likely thriving now. So um, I, I do think this comes down to skill sets and passion. And, you know, if, if you have a passion in a certain uh, you know, market, that's, that's where you should start. I would not recommend starting something that you don't have a passion for. Yeah. On a quick side note, the, the online sessions that you run, do you find those continuing now that you're open as well? Have you found like another little niche, I suppose? Um, I mean, full transparency, myself, nor none of my team members enjoy doing Zoom martial arts classes. Sure. Um, it served its purpose. We are a jujitsu school, which is very similar to wrestling. So we are not a traditional martial arts school that is punching and kicking the air and that does weapons. You know, there were certain styles that were much easier to teach on Zoom. We had to teach our students how to create a grappling dummy out of their pillow that they sleep with and a hoodie just so that they had something to, to do the techniques on. I told my team members we would never run another Zoom session ever again once we opened our doors. Um, and yeah. I won't, you know, it's just, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. it's it, it, the other aspect of it is we teach children as young as three years old, you know, sure. to keep and maintain the attention of a three-year-old yeah. requires you to have massive amounts of enthusiasm on there as well. Um, yeah. which is, you know, very draining when you're teaching six to eight classes in a row. Um, yeah. so very fortunate that we were able to pivot and leverage technology in that way, which got us through, yeah. uh, you know, the pandemic, but 
it's not an ideal way to learn martial arts, right? Martial arts is about self-defense. You've got to actually practice, yeah, yeah. you know, the situations that you would potentially be in if, if you needed to defend yourself, which requires human to human contact. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, do you think some folks, when they when they look at niches and niche marketing, do, do you think do you think the reason they focus on the mass market is because they just think in the that there's more business to be had and it's going to be easier to get that business instead of kind of like you know drilling down to a niche. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of like uh, they they think it's, you know, some big blue ocean and you just kind of throw the net out. And once you throw the net out, you're going to pull up some, you know, delicious red grouper. And, you know, when you do that, you usually actually pull up a rubber boot and a license plate. Um, you, when you try to be everything to everyone, you end up being nothing to no one. Yeah. And uh, this is, you know, I mean, it's, it's one of the benefits of niching down is that uh, – you know, you can be everything to a very uh, segmented market. And it also makes the marketing aspect very, very difficult um, when you try to target the masses. Um, so, again, you can't be everything to everyone, but you can be something great for, you know, a, a, a small segmented market. Yeah, because I spoke to somebody a few years ago who, who had a little tiny hotel uh, in, in a small town uh, in the north of England. And and. And they they literally had about five or six rooms in this little tiny hotel. And they were trying to kind of like target hotel in this town. Well, they were never going to win. They were going for the mass market. They should have been going for a, for a niche, really, shouldn't they? Yeah, 100%. And I think this really comes down to figuring, you know, out, you know, who is your avatar based yeah. in this example, based on the hotel that you have, right? Is your hotel more vintage? Is it more modern? Are you trying to attract, uh, you know, people of a certain, you know, wealth class? Yeah. And when, when you, you know, they, they say that the marketing is in the product and the service. And I think that's really important. Like you've got to nail down what that product and service is. And then, then you can, you, you know, figure out the marketing aspect of it. But Targeting the masses, it does seem like a great idea, but it's uh, it's really not. <laughs> I mean, end of the day, period. Yeah. Uh, do you think when you focus on a niche, your conversion rate is better? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, so I use the example. I've, I've got a digital marketing agency. It's called Grow Pro Agency. And um, the whole reason why it came about is because as a martial arts school owner, um, I had a very successful school and people started asking me, you know, questions about how I ran the school. Well, yeah. uh, you know, you're going to pay me for my time, which means I started to become a coach and a consultant. And the number one question that coaches and consultants get is, how do I get more clients? And yeah. the way that we were able to get clients was through digital marketing and almost on a daily basis, just through, you know, networking and friendships and relationships. I have people outside of the martial arts industry, business owners ask, hey, you know, will you run our ads? Um, you know, a fitness gym that I train at, they wanted me to run the ads. Uh, I've got a chiropractor right next door. And I literally have to have blinders on because it can seem like a good idea. And about nine months ago, we decided we were going to try to take on gymnastic schools and right. dance studios. Yeah. I mean, if you think of, you know, service-based businesses, there's a lot of commonalities between dance and gymnastics and martial arts. Yeah, sure. And it really just created this big mess for my team and I because now all of the landing pages need to be recreated. All of the automations have to be recreated. All of the assets that we use in the ads have to be different. 
And it's just a lot easier to scale once you have niched down. So we only run ads for martial arts schools, not even fitness gyms, because a fitness gym has a different target market than a martial arts school does. Um, So, you know, I've I've gone down that path. Right. Can call it maybe shiny object syndrome. Right. You see these other opportunities that are outside of the zone of your genius. And you think, hey, you know, that might be a good deal. But again, the riches are in the niches. And we lasted about 30 days trying to bring on dance and gymnastics studios. Um, And my my marketing agency has been around for a little over two years. And we're currently serving like 230 clients. That's a lot of clients, and that would be nearly impossible if they were across all different industries. Yeah, so you found better success by serving just your niche, right? 100%. When you come to developing content, do we go in depth into these niches? I mean, if you've got like videos and, I don't know, uh, written content, I suppose, on, on kind of like all the different martial arts and going even down to women's self-defense classes, kids, three-year-olds, like you say. Are you creating content for all of these individual little niches? Well, our target, you know, if you look at our avatar, it's a a martial arts school owner that has a brick-and-mortar location. Hmm. Um, That's it. It's not – we don't specialize in specific styles because, honestly, people think styles matter, but at the end of the day, it it really doesn't. Um, But we live in the creator era right now. I mean, when you think of – who gets labeled as an expert? It's the speakers and the authors, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. If you're on stage, you're the expert. If you wrote a book, you're the expert. Yeah. And creating content is actually, you know, like depending on the medium that you choose, whether it's written word or video, then you get labeled as the expert. And yeah. um, when you get labeled as the expert, that builds trust for people who are ready to buy. But I think, you know, uh, everybody knows that they're supposed to be creating content, but I think the hard aspect of it is putting out consistent content. And when you do so uh, for your niche and and you put out stuff that is, I I call it edutainment, right? Because people are going on social media to be entertained. They're looking for that entertainment aspect. So you want to be educational, but you also want to be entertaining. So Putting out edutainment style of content consistently is going to put you in front of your ideal clientele and ultimately gets you in what I like to call their mental Rolodex because not everybody is at the same stage in the buying cycle or in the customer journey, right? They might be aware of you, but they're not ready to go to the consideration stage. So putting out that consistent content is going to put you in their mental Rolodex. And when it is time for them to you know, pull the trigger or they are in need or of your products or services, they think of you first. And that's the goal in regards to you know, putting out content marketing. Yeah, I like that word edutainment. I like I like that edutainment. That's a that's that's a, that's a good way it's to describe it. It's taken from isn't it? Disney. Is it? Yeah, it's from Disney. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, they're they're doing all right, aren't they? Yeah, I think they're all right. <laughs> I think they're managing. And um, I think a lot of this is because we're disconnected from our audience, aren't we? I think in a bricks and mortar place, okay, you walk in, you talk to somebody, you see them, you can see their little micro expressions, you can you can get an idea on what they sound like, who they are, the type of person they are and everything. Uh, and it's that trust and authority. Whereas if you do if we're doing this digitally online, we don't get that connection, do we? There's no 
It's, it's more difficult to build the trust and the authority, isn't it? I think the consistency allows that to happen. I think that if you, uh, I call it CPR, comment, post, and reply, then it makes it a little bit easier. Um, you know, running a digital marketing company, we run ads for people all over the world, not even, you know, just in the United States. Yeah. And uh, we utilize Zoom for all communications with prospects and with uh, customers over the phone. Uh, you know, we would prefer to be on Zoom instead of a phone call um, because it allows us to make that connection a little bit easier when you can actually see somebody. So, you know, I mean, we, we all are literally walking around with, uh, you know, media production companies in our pocket with our yes. smartphone. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that there are ways to leverage social media. You know, we'll use Facebook as an example. I have a Facebook group that has over 2000 martial arts school owners in it that every time that I post something, they're getting a notification that, yeah. hey, Chris Rodriguez, you know, just put out some level of, of content. But you also it can't just be the posting. It's got to be the replying and the commenting on it as well. And every time you do that, it's just another, you know, check mark in their mental Rolodex. And I mean, some of some of my best friendships that I've developed have started online. You know, I just think yeah. we live in such an amazing era right now. You can find anybody that is at the top of their game in any industry, go to their Instagram account. And because of IG stories, you can literally see everything that they're doing throughout the day if they choose to post it. So it's kind of a crazy world that we're living in. And because of, of that, you know, I, I do believe that connection can be made, but it's going to take effort the same way it would take effort in a, you know, face-to-face -face situation. Yeah, it kind of brings me on to video, I suppose. And do you see video playing a good part in targeting your niche, almost like maybe some high, uh, that, that edutainment again, maybe some how-to how -to videos and that? I mean, in my opinion, video is a non-negotiable and has been a non-negotiable for the last few years. I mean, yeah. you've seen how big YouTube has gotten. Um, it's a skill, though, that has to be developed. Not everybody is great on video. Some yeah. people are wet mops. I mean, it's definitely a Me. skill that you got to learn to acquire. Um, you know, where I think video has kind of taken a little bit of a turn within the, the last year or so is the popularity of short videos with reels and now YouTube shorts, which I think can even be more difficult to try to get your point across in under 30 seconds. I mean, it's really yeah. an art form, uh, a lot easier if I know I got three minutes, 30 seconds, you've got to be clear and concise. So, yeah. you know, in, in regards to, to video, in my opinion, it is a non-negotiable, um, we utilize it on a, on a daily basis, but I don't think it should be the only form of content you put out because while most people do enjoy watching videos, some people don't. I'm one of those people that um, I prefer I prefer the written language. Um, I prefer reading something. Sure. Anytime I get a Facebook message that has a voice memo, I get so upset. I'm like, why couldn't you just type it out? Now I gotta <laughs> now I gotta go somewhere where I can listen to you. You know, so you can't assume that everybody prefers a certain medium, which is why you need to have a you know a, a variety of different types of content that you put out. But I do believe video is one of those, but it shouldn't be the only type of content that you put out. And do you go niche with your videos? I mean, do you deal with, do you think we should deal with like specific little topics? Yeah. I mean, anything that is in, you know, in line with your wheelhouse. I mean, I think yeah. you could argue that, you know, personal development could be something that's discussed in any type of niche, because I believe that 
people don't really have business problems. They have personal problems that they bring into their business. <laughs> yeah. um, productivity is another example, right? I mean, I, th- I don't yeah, think yeah. there's any business owner out there that doesn't want to be more productive. But making sure that you can tie it back into what their day-to-day looks like, right? So going back to the martial arts, you know, most martial arts schools, their their programs that they focus on are kids' programs. Well, sure. kids are, you know, in school during the day. So your, your main classes aren't going to happen until later on in the afternoon. So for most martial arts schools, owners, you know, they're in their business from 12 p.m. till 10 p.m. at night. We joke all the time that, Martial arts instructors don't eat dinner until about 11 o'clock at night. You know, (laughs) it's the greatest job in the world, but it has to be done in the evening. So, you know, if you were going to put out a video about productivity, you have to keep that in mind that most school owners are going to be in their business at a specific hour, which isn't the typical nine to five. Yeah, there's a lot to think about, isn't there, when you're targeting these little niches, isn't there? Because they, it, it is almost like, like you say, it's almost like an extension of your personal life in a way when you when you go in depth into a niche like that. Yeah, and I mean, I think the best way to figure out what your audience wants is just to simply ask them. Um, do you think we struggle to ask questions nowadays? Um, I, I mean, I think it uh, depends on uh, the personality of the business owner. I'll, I'll give you an example. Um I had never wanted to send out surveys to the families of my martial arts school because I did not want to deal with the criticism, Um, you know, and it it was like, well, we need to know from them what is working and what's not working so we can provide a better service. So I think that for some people it is difficult to ask, but, uh, you know, I had to get over that because if we want to get better, You know, even if it's just 1% better. And, you know, I think that's kind of a cool way to, uh, you know, ask for help is because sometimes people don't want to be critical. But if you just say, hey, is there just one, is there just anything that we can do to become 1% better? I'd love to, you know, hear some feedback. And it kind of takes that pressure off of being critical, uh, you know, especially if you formed a relationship with your clients. Yeah, because I, I remember doing it. Doing it. I asked a question with a lot of training sessions I ran a few years ago, and I asked, "When was the last time you phoned one of your customers and asked them questions about how do you find our services? Uh, you know, how how are we doing? Sort of sort of thing." And like virtually nobody had ever phoned their customer. They'd emailed them, they'd sent them a survey monkey survey, and they'd irritated them with all sorts of spam, uh, but they'd never picked mm-hmm. up the phone. Uh, and ask them, and and I think it is it is quite important, isn't it? Because you again, when you're talking to somebody, you're building that trust and authority at the same time. Yeah, you know, I mean, having those customer touch points. So you know, this is this is on par with their customer journey, and one of the stages of the customer journey is retention. And you know, yeah. obviously, we want to retain our clients. So if we don't retain our clients, then we're going to have to have a huge marketing budget to continue getting more. But Ideally, the retention isn't the last stage of the customer journey. What the last stage is, is advocacy. I want every single one of my clients to become walking billboards for my business and become brand ambassadors and and advocates. And the only way that you're going to be able to get them there is with those touch points and asking them, how can we improve and how can we get better? Um, So, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, 
I think it's a common problem amongst most industries to just focus on that front end, right? We get a client yeah. and then what's the next thing that we try to do? We try to get another client and then what do you do? You try to get another client. Yes, yeah. yeah, sales is the lifeblood of our business because people are always going to quit, but yeah. you wouldn't have to sign up so many clients if you weren't losing them all because your back door is open, right? Yeah. So having those you know, touch points throughout the customer journey is going to ensure that clients stay with you longer. That means your client, you know, your lifetime client value is going to go up as well. Yeah. It's a fascinating show. I could talk for ages on this. I do find it quite fascinating. Um, Christina, where can we find you? Where is your website and all your social media bits so we can look at your niches? Yeah, for sure. If you want to head to growproagency.com, that's uh, really kind of my my main focus right now in regards to the different businesses that I run. It's the digital marketing agency. And if you want to find me on Instagram at Chris, C-R-I-S, Lee, L-E-E, Rodriguez, I'd love to connect and uh, geek out even more about the riches in the niches. Absolutely. Christina, thanks ever so much for your time. Really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you so much for having me, John. Much appreciated. Thanks again to Christina for her time. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe for more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your favourite podcast player. Just search for Not Another Marketing Podcast. Thanks for listening.